Welcome to the Red Pill Training Podcast, brought to you by James Jassy Training, 3D Physiotherapy, and the Mansfield Sports Institute. Gemma, James, and Phil, delivering topical podcasts on fitness, nutrition, health, lifestyle, training, and sports. Hello and welcome to a Shot in the Dark podcast. We have a special guest this week, a good friend of mine, Simon Whitnell. Hi, Simon. Hey, Phil. Or should I say Coach Whitnell? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> um, Simon and I have uh, worked together for over 10 years now on uh, different projects and different coaching um, projects. Uh, Simon is uh, a rugby boy, like myself, so... Um, we thought we'd start there, talk a little bit of rugby. Um, Simon's from New Zealand, um, and New Zealand have just lost their uh, <laughs> winning run. So, uh, how do you feel about that, mate? Oh, I thought it was good, actually. You always learn more from a loss when okay. you're on a run like that, I'd, I'd imagine. Well, that's what they say. What are you thinking about the press at the moment, where they're calling you the... Uh, the, the dirtiest team. The dirtiest team in the world, is that? Is I that... think we only had one person suspended, so I think having the dirtiest team when only one person got suspended is not... Okay. Not that accurate. So that's so they've got to sell papers, so they've yeah, got to talk exactly. about something. Okay. So we're defining dirty yeah. by suspension. Yeah, so we like didn't it. lose that game, so you have to talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, so Simon and I have both grown up in the, the world of rugby um, on different sides of the world. And um, today's podcast is very much about coaching and coaching styles and coaching methodology in respect to... Um, giving athletes um, giving athletes the opportunity to develop and flourish um, Simon you've played a lot of rugby you were a back so not so much contact but uh, <laughs> but lots of skill uh, and I was on the other side where I had lots of contact and not so much skill so we have two sort of different areas there um, and you grew up in New Zealand and it's a very we've just been talking about it sort of off, off camera off radio here that uh, we had very different some experiences of growing up in in our in our sport. Um, yeah, I think we, what we were talking about in that aspect is when a like a, a new player comes into a into a team. Um, in some rugby environments I've been in, as a as a new player coming in, you're sort of put a lot of pressures put on you um, by sort of senior players and by a, like a, a culture within the team. Um, and in some environments there's no pressure on you and you're like the environment's created for you to flourish and express yourself uh, and we're just talking about and traditionally with the with the all blacks for example they create an environment where as a new player coming in um, they create an environment where it's really simple for them and they just do what they've done before and they're allowed to um, and encouraged to express themselves and to have a go yeah. And almost have no fear when they come in, and then they learn to um, to adapt and improve uh, from that point onwards. Um, and they're two very different environments that you go into, um, and there's a lot of those environments in both countries, that, um, in England and New Zealand, where I've played rugby before. Um, but there's a lot more opportunity to express yourself in those New Zealand teams, yeah. um, and I think that's why they more attacking and more yeah, that was the interesting thing that was how the conversation um, when we were sort of preparing for, for for the coaching podcast and the comparisons of the rugby cultures there we, we there was one thing we really discussed and was really interesting was 
I, I mean, I've played a little bit of, of rugby myself and uh, I've been involved in the sort of um, representative rugby uh, growing up in through sort of where you play your county and you play in the division for London and then England and, and, and that sort of thing. And I can just remember playing under fear the whole time. You know, you're just scared to make a mistake, scared to do anything wrong, scared to have any kind of misdemeanor, you know, down to how my tie was after the game, you know, making sure my tie and my blazer was right and and uh, scared to miss a tackle, scared to drop the ball, you know, just like living under this constant pressure and constant fear of, uh, am I going to be dropped? Am I good enough? Am I going to do that? And then I sit and listen to you and listen to the culture you grew up in and I sort of think, jealousy almost, and think, well, wouldn't it be nice to have just been able to someone come over and say, you know what, Phil, you're good. Go and enjoy it. Go and play, and go and love the game, and and, and express yourself, uh, which which we don't have uh, in English rugby. Um, and and you made the point off 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 air there, where you said that is that is that the difference between the Englanders typically never had good attack but solid defence, uh, and does having that fear and that structure and that uh, hierarchy we would lay our bodies on the line and we'd work hard but we were frightened to express ourselves where you guys it's not because New Zealand have ever had a bad defence but but typically you're more renowned for the way you attack uh, and be allowed to express yourself so we sort of does does the the problems lie from in, in English rugby uh, and their lack of attack do the problems lie in the fact that the way we're brought up through the game with that sort of very sort of hierarchical uh, mm. structure of fear and iron fist driven what do you think yeah I think it's it's discussed a lot um, it's in, in the media a lot I guess around why why the All Blacks are so successful why their attack is, is and why they're like the Super 15 and all those um, sort of teams that filter down from the the international part of the, the southern hemisphere teams uh a lot of there's different arguments like uh, they play touch rugby when they're younger so does that mean when they you know are a prop or a, or a loose forward like you were in, in your rugby days they had offloading skills and ability to have better passing skills because of what they did when they were younger or is it just their environment that they create where they're allowed to have a go and they're not punished for dropping the ball when they try and they, yeah. they're encouraged to have another go until they get it right yeah um, I mean that's the classic I mean we would always have that you drop a ball in training you just take you don't have to you don't have to do it in front of everyone you just take yourself over to the side you do three press ups or three sit ups or whatever it was in that day and then you go back into the group and it's just that little punishment to say hey hey do that um, where where perhaps you guys drop a ball and your teammate comes over and gives you a sort of smack on the backside, says, "Come on, buddy, we can do it. We can do it right again next time." Eh? Uh, and living in and working in, in that environment, I think there's a fine line, isn't there? Because my, my instant argument to the press up, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a philosophical rugby question: is do you punish them for a mistake or do you encourage them with a mistake? And I think the two sides of it are at some point, you know, at the end of the game. The, the person, the team with the most points has won the game. Someone wins and someone loses, and 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 athletes need to know how to lose and need to know how to um, how to fail and how to get it wrong because otherwise they don't learn. Um, and so, in that respect, admitting a mistake or having some kind of recognition for a, for a mistake is a good thing because it means we we have we we are we're open to improvement. 
But on the, on the same token, do we need to then be punishing people all the time for, for making a mistake? And it sounds very sounds very uh, simple that we're we're laying all of the <laughs> all of the New Zealand versus England problems and co- rugby culture on press ups if we drop a ball, <laughs> but it's, it's a very good example uh, of the different cultures in the sport. Um, I think with the the push out, we've talked. Well, I think a lot about the biomechanics of a push-up for the benefit of touch rugby or, or rugby union or rugby league or whatever the sport is that we're playing and I've thought a lot what could the punishment be something a little bit closer to the sport and, and benefit your technique of the sport but when you get down to the the reason why you have the punishment and you ignore what the actual punishment yeah, is exactly. they uh, when we when we play a team sport and you might not win or lose depending on what you do. No. It might be depending on what someone else does. Yeah. Then if you're punished as a team, and this could be the same, not just in rugby, but cycling, you cycle as a team. Yeah. Uh, uh, cricket, you, you play as a team, yeah. and you, you could you could do outstanding as an individual and still lose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess the push-up concept that we do in our training is you might do, your pass might be perfect, and the other person catching the ball might just take their eyes off the ball and drop the ball. Yeah. And they might not do it, you know, they might not have done it all year, but they might just drop the ball at that, that time. Moment, and yeah. as a team, you have to do the push-ups. Yeah. I think as a as a sort of society and a, and a culture, that creates a good culture in a way. Yeah. Because you, you work together and um, you know that if you drop the ball, then everyone in the team's going to be doing the push-ups. You're doing it together. You're not on your own. You're yeah. not sort of a... Isolated, isolated and kicked yeah. out yeah exactly so in some ways it creates a, a good environment good yeah. culture yeah but it's done in the right way and mm. communicated in the right way but I think that's it and I think I mean I mean, I'm happy to lay the, the burden of England's attack problems at, at the culture of, of and it's interesting I mean um I, I mean I'm a big Saracens fan uh, as you know um, and played played there as a as a kid and Eddie Jones was someone who was at Saracens who did a great job and laid a lot of the foundations for where we are now, to be honest. Um, and liked the guy a lot, but was very against, very, very against an Australian taking over the English rugby team. Wouldn't matter who it was, you know. Um, there's there's few Australians in the world who I like, of course. And, uh, and, and yeah, it, was, it wouldn't have been... Yeah, Australian coaching England rugby... I, I, and I still haven't come around to it, I still haven't accepted it, but what we have to say is he's brought in that that culture that we're talking about. He's brought in that, uh, go out and have some, like he's just said, look, does this need to be so serious? Does it need to be so intense? Uh, can't we Can't we have a bit of fun with this? Can't we just, in, you know, we, we get to do what we love doing every single day. Can't we just, can't we just go out and have some fun instead of, uh, you know, the stiff collar and, the, <laughs> you know, and you can see the difference in the way the guys are playing. They're out winning. They're about to sort of overtake the Kiwi uh, record for Test wins, and 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 you know we're there. We're doing really well. And uh, and and is it as simple as that? Is it just simple as a culture shift that the coaches out in the clubs and the coaches out in the kids and everything else go away from this sort of punishmental way of coaching and into this encouragement and into this sort of go out and express yourself and have some fun. And I think it's very easy to do it. At grassroots, it's very easy to take the beginners and those guys there. Where it becomes tough is the sort of half good coaches. So, you know, the dad who's just helping his kids, 
he knows he's not really a rugby coach. He's been on the level one or level two course and he's just helping and everyone's great and everyone's fantastic and the kids have fun. And the guys at the top end, they're clever enough to begin to appreciate it. It's the coaches there in the middle that aren't quite elite coaches yet and they're not quite beginner coaches yet and they tend to be there where they rule a little bit more with the iron fist, especially in the English uh, um, sort of counties and, and system there. It's very iron fist regimental at the you know and, and people playing with just playing under fear and trained under fear of mistakes all the time i think there's a lot in there's a lot to learn from our australian friend <laughs> who's taken over uh, the england rugby team there in terms of coaching encouragement and and pushing people to to uh, to perform and express themselves um and, you know uh, you're a fly half um and, and it must be I mean have you played you've, you've played a little bit in England as well so you've seen the, the oh, yeah I've played in play. both sort of styles yeah. and I definitely favour the uh, the more fearless able to have a go um, style of play than the more structured rigid yeah um, ridiculed for for going away from a, a very rigid structure yeah um, so I definitely favour the more southern hemisphere style yeah. Um, but you know, when you look at England now, they're definitely going towards that style. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, there's other teams um, that are doing quite well at the moment with similar structure. The Liverpool football team. Yeah. Um, their their managers created a from the outside what looks like a very enjoyable sort of uh, happy environment. Um, I think perhaps a better example of that would be the Tottenham team. Um, uh, who. I don't know much about Tottenham. No. Are they, are they yeah, in the Champions League? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving, on, Moving on, shall we, buddy? It's been a hard week for Spurs fans this week, but um, but yeah, absolutely. That modern and I, th- I mean, I think if we, going on that note, if you look at uh, Mourinho, uh, who was cutting edge, front of his field leading in, in terms of when he went to Chelsea and could carry that to Inter Milan and started to drop a little bit at Real Madrid but still did very well and 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 the football world has just overtaken him and there's a new world there's new systems there's new styles they're, they're past and he's still stuck in that. and all the other players are sitting there looking at Liverpool looking at Spurs even Chelsea to a certain extent and saying I mean, they're all out enjoying their football and winning uh, Man City they're all out having mm. fun enjoying it and expressing themselves and we've just been shouted at and we have this angry manager that coming in every day that's still in the old school and it's funny to say it when you know 15 years ago Jose Mourinho was like the sports science and everything else was the leading and now he's just he's just like an old old man who, who isn't following and, and you can see the results are coming from it um, and and the guys they talk to each other of course in the professional football they see what the other clubs are doing and and, and you can't I was watching you know. um, last year Leicester City had this remarkable year yeah across any sport it's quite remarkable in, in the history of sport um, and I I'm not a big football fan I don't know a lot about football it's not something that's um, that I focus on a lot but I was watching them they arrived at the stadium at uh, Manchester City and they uh, playing against Manchester City there's probably six or eight weeks to go in the in the year they needed to win to or at least draw to to keep going towards the title and you'd think they're under all this pressure and it must be like stressful and a weight on their shoulders and that sort of thing and they they turn up to the stadium and the manager gets off the bus and he shakes all the security guards hands who are, who are there opening the gates and, yeah. and that sort of thing 
the, the players all get off the bus, they're all laughing and, and totally relaxed. Um, I think Vardy is one of the, the strikers, so him and the, the manager go onto the, onto the pitch, they just walk out to, the stadium's empty, they yeah. just walk out to the stadium to look around and they give each other a, a high 10 and a hug when they're on the, on the, as they walk onto the stadium. Yeah. He's just got an environment where they're, they're happy and able to express Thrive. themselves and yeah. have fun yeah. Um, yeah. playing the sport. I mean, you've got a good example about the New Zealand rugby team cleaning the changing rooms, haven't you? Yeah, and actually the um, Australian rugby league team have just brought the same thing into into their culture. So at the end of a, as every rugby player knows, at the end of a, probably with football as well, at the end of a, a game, you, you're in the changing room, you got to change, and there's mud everywhere because everyone's got mud on their boots so you've yeah. gone into this nice clean environment and you've turned it into a complete mess it's a rumpy dressing room um, at the end of the game is a total mess yeah it's stressing tape, tape straight yeah, yeah, exactly. it's, like, yeah. it's a mess so you know and if um, at the end of a game you could just leave that for someone at the club to, to clean up and if you're visiting someone else's club just leave that to, to clean up but one of the things that All Blacks uh, created um, I don't know how long this has been um, in there Culture. environment and yeah, culture yeah. for but they and the leadership team sort of sort of lead this and they they make sure that they clean up after themselves and they stay around they clean up the whole change room they leave it as it was when they when they entered and that's something that a guy called mel meninga quite a famous rugby league player brought into the australian rugby league team this year and then you see all the little things that they do on the pitch are also they make less mistakes they all all the little um, fine details are, are taken care of and, and the players take more pride in their, their performance and all that sort of stuff because they're taking pride in the, in the things off the field as well yeah. um, so I think it does uh, translate to a, a more, I don't know, more professional or, or a better culture on the pitch. I think, I think that's right I think if we analyse it and you look at what going back to the England example of, of ruling and the punishment and the sort of fear ruling with fear there is the goal is the same thing is to instill discipline and professionalism and drive in the athletes or in the in the teams there and that's what the goal is but there's just many ways to come about that goal you know and, and here you've got the empowerment of okay boys we've made this mess we're a group we're a team we're together we'll clean it up together it gives the same result as what the coaches who are banging the table, shouting and screaming, angry. I think you use a good example of angry coaches that are always shouting, always, you know, pointing fingers, always picking up on mistakes. Um, they're going for the same thing. They want the same thing. They want their players to understand the importance of detail. They want the players to understand the importance of uh, following the plan. They want them to understand the the unity and the teamwork and and battling and the fight and training hard and all of those sort of things that go with being an elite sportsman but there's just many different ways to you can lead from the front or you can lead from the back you know and that where I stand behind you and just shout at you or I go up front and I lead you and, and I lead you into the fire if you know what I mean there's it's a huge difference um, and and I think you think you think you think about the legendary coaches across all sports that you read about or you can buy the books on or anything else like that. they're all guys that have sort of led from the front they're all guys that, that don't mind getting their hands dirty themselves that don't mind getting down on their hands and knees and cleaning the dressing room or 
or doing whatever and all the and all the other coaches that are some the, the sort of little bit sort of stand behind them you don't really hear so much about them and and some of them have been successful you know um but still with that authoritarian method of coaching which which takes for me it takes a lot of the fun out of the sport um and and i look back on my my rugby days and i had my club mates and all i think about when i had my club mates playing in my club was just how much fun we had like best bunch of blokes ever we loved each other we never lost we were maybe some of them listening <laughs> won't be too pleased with say we weren't particularly good actually but we were hard we were tough and we would die for each other and we never lost you know we would win most games by by small margins because no one scored against us because we just had that fight but we would fight for each other um and that, and you always used to dread going up and playing county rugby or divisional rugby or national rugby because you go from this fun uh, environment where everybody's mates to this, um, to this like fear of failure, fear of making a mistake, and everything else. And I've got a clear division of what rugby is, is it in my head, and and played. Um, yeah, played a little bit at, at some premiership clubs in, in sort of uh, 2000, 2001. And it, that same fear came into the coaching there. And then I had an injury and dropped down like four divisions and played National 3 rugby. And they all went in the bar and had a beer after. And, and they talked to each other. And all the spectators with their dogs came over in their barber jackets and said, well played today. And that was when I found rugby. That was when I found like the sport and like, this is what it's all about. This is... This is this is great. This is like uh, what what it, what the game is about. Like just loving it and being a part of it. And and you can see the New Zealand and Saracens and and Eddie Jones. That that's what they're bringing in. They're bringing in what is rugby. What is the sport? Uh, and I know we're talking about rugby. This this transfers to every sport and every method of coaching. Just just every that. coaching environment. I think when you look at um, Eddie Jones, he's come into a, a team with England. Uh, who they're all very professional they've been in many different professional environments and their club sides and that yeah. sort of thing and they've probably been under a few different uh, coaching structures for England but he's not going to lose all of the sort of fear factor but it's the way that he gets the, the fear factor across um, so he's allowing them to express themselves more by the looks of it from the outside in yeah. um, they're obviously playing more attacking rugby in a way as well but they must respect him yeah. so what's he doing to earn their respect so that they do all the little things really well yeah. um, and he doesn't have to yell at them and push them and that yeah. sort of thing and he can have a laugh with them and he's got that balance yeah ultimately um, yeah, exactly we uh, you were coaching some of the cyclists last night um, on the Wednesday evening uh, training and I was watching you go between the two different rooms so some are doing a circuit some are on the on the bike and when you walk in and watch them on the bike they you don't have to say anything you don't have to uh, yell or anything like that but because they respect you and respect the effort you put into their training they're, they're going to bike a little bit harder bike a little bit faster they're not going to like give up well, and you're just standing there you haven't said anything uh, you haven't like looked at them or said they're doing anything wrong they just they want to train harder for you. So what you know? What environment can a can a coach create yeah. um, without creating just constant fear to make a make a team play play harder for them? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's that enjoyable. They create an enjoyable environment where yeah. yes, you go in and you you work hard and you you work 
harder than you ever have done before to be the best that you can be but then you can relax and you can enjoy when when you're not there and there's not all the stress and, and pressure that some environments um, created that maybe the England rugby team was like that previously yeah uh, yeah, but absolutely, mate. Absolutely, it's that it's that coming in where where if you do it right and you've got the balance right and the guys know why they're there and what they're there for and what their core values are and the reason they're in the sport and the reason they're they're working so hard, the, the, the shouting and screaming and the stamping the feet and the is not necessary. Um, but it comes from some constructive discussion with the athletes and and clear goal setting and clear. Um, and when I say goal setting, I'm not necessarily talking about winning. I'm talking about goal setting of, of what, what do we want to get out of what we're doing? What is this for? Why are you here? What's the project for? What's the reason for it? Um, and, and and having them understand what what this all part of, uh, and also having it. It's not it's not it's not the end of the world. You know, we go out after the we we have a good saying here is either we win or we learn. You know, um, and, and and that's it. You know, a lot of the time is that fear breeds fear and the fear of losing is about the most toxic thing an athlete could ever have is to fear losing because when they fear losing they can't win mm. and they go out there with the focus on I, I, I can't lose today um, and when you go out with that fear you 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 can't express yourself um, New Zealand has a history at uh, World Cups we've, I think we've won quite a few World Cups but there's been quite a few where we were favourites and we, we lost choked yeah lost badly yeah yeah and I think it comes down to the fear yeah. it's not a big country um, there's only about 4 million people but all of those people know about rugby and yeah. so as a, as a player playing for your country uh, not that I've played for the All Blacks but um, no. watching it from the outside they if they know that they're representing that country and all the eyes are on them and you know they they're always expected to win and always expected to win by a certain margin as well now uh, then that that fear could be um, sort of it could take over at key moments of games yeah. or in key stages of tournaments like the World yeah. Cup um, so they've often gone between World Cups winning 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 and then so that expectation is that they will win the World Cup and they get to that point and the stress and fear takes over and they they can't express themselves on the pitch as much and they do things that they haven't done for the last three years yeah. um, at that time of the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you... One of the things that the, the All Blacks brought in to try and take away all the pressure and eyes being on them, being, being like, let's say, world number one and all the pressure of their nation and, and that sort of thing is... Um, Steve Hansen talks about it in a lot of his... Press uh, interviews is trying to take rugby forward. Yeah. So instead of all the pressure being on them and the fear of losing, it's like how do they improve? Yeah. And they can make a better product of rugby. How can they make rugby more enjoyable for a a child to watch? Yeah. How can they get more people interested in rugby? So if yeah. they play for a certain style and they play a certain flair and they they have good disciplines. Um, and they allow their players to enjoy themselves and maybe yeah. kids watching will think oh yeah. well, I want to be an all black because they look like they're having yeah. great fun 
yeah. Um, yes, so I but they're having a, a great time doing it. So, yeah. as it doing for, for something bigger than yourself, bigger than bigger more than important yourself. than yourself, and, and, and bigger than just your country. I yeah, guess, and understanding your role in that, um, and, and taking your own ego out of it, and not mm. thinking the world revolves around me as the athlete, but the world revolves around. Someone said to me recently, which was a great thing, was have respect for the people you're competing against because if they weren't there there wouldn't be a race and it's a really stupid thing but it's a really clever thing eh? is that you never think about that is that without the other people you're racing against you'd be on your own and there was no race so without them you can't win <laughs> so so it's just like how enjoy that they're there because if they're not there we have a problem um and uh, i think one of my one of my all-time favorite athletes is a, a, an Ironman athlete called Chrissy Weddington, uh, who who was very good, very, very, very good. And and in her book, fantastic book, um, she writes very much about doing and racing and having that motivation of something bigger than herself. And I think if you if you if you sit down and you talk to athletes, especially when they've retired, maybe they oh, ah yeah, was it? I mean, myself, I can look back at myself as just this young idiot who who the only thing that was important was myself at that time when you get older and you get kids and families and stuff then you start to really really see and I often say if if I could take sport would be so much better if it was played by people from 40 to 60 you know if you're if you're good years if your body just came good at 40 and you could have sport being played by the, the life experience and the and the knowledge you have when you're 40 years old sport would be wonderful because it would be so tactically beautiful uh, and problem is the body stops working around 30 and as we know uh, the body stops working and they can't do that but it is just being able to have that reflective nature in your coaching and, 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 and in your team or in your athletes and, and, and how do we get that over to these young guys who uh, how do we get that over to myself uh, 15, 16, 17 years all I think about is how many kilos do I squat how many kilos do I bench press how many kilos how many tackles did I make uh, and I'm running around like headless chicken and I'm missing the point you know, and I, and I actually have to lose my dream of being a professional rugby player and go down and play in the in the lower divisions before I find out what the game's all about. You know, and if I could have just someone could have just explained to me, or if I was clever enough to listen to that at that time, that we do this for more than just ourselves. You know, we do this because we love sport and we love the the game. It would be a lot. It would be a lot better. Uh, and some coaches they can get that uh, information over to their teams, and they're the successful teams. You know, we look at the, and this is applicable to business. Uh, we, we talk about, a lot about rugby. We're rugby boys, but this is applicable to all sports. It's applicable to to how you run your business and how you how you motivate your people that work for you within your business. If you're a manager, it's the same thing. Um, and it's leadership uh, and management, which is uh, which 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 is which way do you want to do it you know which way do you want to to lead um so i think there's obviously um a few of these um, managers of sports teams or coaches of sports teams we've talked about have, have, they must have their techniques to get the balance right and some of them are, and it is just a, a balance um because you can't just come in and have a you know especially a professional sport where the pressure is there to win and you have to succeed where it can all just be relaxed and easy and that sort of thing. Yeah, there's that balance, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so the, the players have to have to learn from, from other senior players and, and the management of what what's needed to, to work hard and what it's like to be a, a professional athlete and and what's needed to win, how what does working hard mean to work hard more hard than the people that you're competing against yeah and if you've done something in your training and you've done something in your 
season that's harder than than other than the opposition how do you know that's going to carry you through you know when when time gets tough and some coaches will create that through fear and, and pressure and some of them will create it through um, getting the involvement of the team and, and leading yeah. the way themselves and uh, in that aspect so coming up with techniques and systems and values and and that sort of thing and having the the team buy into that or come up with it themselves and and lead that forward i think the key thing is also experiences together is what they experience together Mm -hmm. um and and how do we create how do we create experiences um, that they have to overcome themselves and 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 the, the, the worst thing that can happen for a team is to lose you know, that's the best opportunity you have for them to experience something together and how you manage that loss is very, very important. Um, you know, because losing, you know, you can you can go team building, you can do team building things, they experience something together. You know, some of the, they go to, uh, I know Saracen some years ago, they went to Oktoberfest, they flew over to Munich and they just had one giant drink up together. Uh, but they experienced something together and creating memories together and, creating those bonds and also in the workplace if you wanted to transfer it to business there um, and that is it but the, but a lot of time we miss the opportunity the opportunity going back to the press up example right at the start the opportunity for them to experience something together is in, in a mistake there in training how do we come together and pick that up how do we fix that problem and the short term solution for me as the coach is to say don't do that again you need to do this and this and you need to have your hands here and you need to do this and this and you need to do that it, the long-term solution which takes a little bit longer to build a team is what went wrong guys figure that out talk together experience it and what do you think we should do and one idiot always says i think we should do 20 presses up yoga go on and voice it down you get and then but that creates an experience and i think trying to create experiences for the guys going away with them putting them in extreme environments in training uh, i'm not averse to them working hard where hard work is part of it cleaning the changing room all of these examples of Doing the small basic things well together um, creates those experiences and creates that environment where we, we can thrive and we can go forward. Um, and ultimately, when when they start to feel good, they start to play well. Uh, and when they start to play well, that respect you talked about for the coach comes because they feel good. You know, and you usually respect people to make you feel good. You know, you usually like people to make you feel good. Uh, and and I think if you look over at uh, the coach and your teammate and the coach works as hard as the teammate works and the teammate works as hard as your other teammate then you start to just get that environment where we're all on the same level there's just one of us that has to be in charge there's one of us that has to make the decisions here and that's me but I'm not above you I'm not below you but we're part of it together and we experience this together we we we, uh, we develop together um, and I make mistakes as a coach you make mistakes as an athlete but, but together we made the mistake, you know. Um, I think that's where it comes from. I think that's where the, the, the empowerment comes from, is that we're on the same level. There's just one of us that has to make the decisions. No, um, I think also and, and, um, every time there's, you know, every team that's pushing the boundaries is going to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, so every time you're trying to improve, 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 you, you're going to make mistakes. Um, and that, you know, the whole fear of failure and trying to remove that and just get used to making mistakes but learning from them making sure you correct them each time and get better and better as, yeah. as you go I guess is the key but if someone makes a mistake as a coach coming in what you you have to 
obviously they have to know if they didn't realize it was a mistake made we need to go review and see why it happened and, and that sort of thing but some coaches would get that balance right yeah analyzing that mistake yeah. And, yeah. and learning from it and moving forward and trying to ensure that same mistake and that same situation wouldn't happen again and, and how that we can learn from that for other situations as well um, and some coaches wouldn't necessarily visit it at all and then the same mistake could happen yeah. so getting the balance right of not being over analytical of a yeah of a, of a failure or Absolutely. something that went wrong um and but making sure that we learn from it and we understand why it happened and and what we can do to in, ensure it doesn't happen in the future yeah. um so as a coach it's always trying to get those balances right and seeing where your athletes are at i yeah. think if you if you know if the if the athletes made a few mistakes and they're sort of down and and you know they've gone through a tough period of training or, or a tough few games and it's probably not the right time to come in and uh rip them to pieces over no, it no um and maybe some encouragement at that that stage is needed and vice versa if they're riding a bit of a high and they're winning 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 and and they don't think there's anything wrong with them maybe that's when they need the the biggest yeah uh, but i mean sort of kick. There's, there's two points there buddy and and yeah first one is is the best time to get a point over to your team is after they've won you know that's the best time to say all right guys you know well done you're good but what about this what about that what about it's very easy to to be critical of someone who if you need to be critical of them or have a point over get a point over to them it's very easy to do that when they're feeling good and high you know, when they're sitting down in a negative slump, telling them they're bad, it just doesn't help anything. It just make it doesn't make the problem worse because they don't listen. Because they can't, they, they can't. You know, when you when, when something's hurting, you don't listen to other things anyway. Um. So so there, I think. But I mean, we sit here and we're talking a lot about empowerment, encouragement, driving people forward, being good, positive coaches, and at the same time, we're sitting here talking about mistakes and failure and losing, and we want to win all the time. And there's where the issue is, isn't it? Is that you and I were sitting there and saying, there's no one who wants to win more than you and I. We, we win us, you know, and, and our athletes, it's expected they win. Um, and none of us are more critical than you and I and pick on detail and look at detail and analyze detail. And none of us uh, hate losing more than you and I. Yeah, at the same time, over the other side of the table, we're saying, yeah, we can't focus on the negatives. We can't. We have to empower. We have to encourage. And what we're not, what we're, we're not saying is that you should come away from all of that. You still have to be analytical. You still have to be critical. You still have to be driven. You still have to want to win. You still have to do. There's just different ways of doing that, and there's a balance in doing that with the, with the athletes and the skill and the art of coaching is being able to have all of those very controlling, hard things. And communicate them and 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 apply them in a, an environment of empowerment where where the athlete and everyone else is having a good time and enjoying it. And if you can do that, you're successful. If you can do that, you're a good coach. Um, and if you can't do that, it's probably why you're you're not winning. Uh, and you know, football teams they change the manager, and the next game they've just lost six six seven in a row, and then the next game they win four nil. Because the, the guys come in and go, oh, actually, life's not so tough. Yeah, he's a good guy. Let's go out and just do something, you know. And sometimes it doesn't need to be as complicated. And as, as and, and when when do I pile the analytical pressure on them? And when do I say, just go out and just, just go and kick a football or go and throw a rugby or go and ride your bike? Or There's a huge balance in, in the analytical 
negative, not negative, but analytical can be very negative side and the empowerment side. There's a very fine balance as a coach there, which which a lot of people and we we get wrong, of course. Um, but but we do our, we're aware of it. And I think the first step for coaches, um, if they're listening, for example, thinking, okay, what do I do? The first step is just to be aware of it. Think about how am I communicating now? Am I communicating in a way that actually helps? Am I making my point in a way that actually helps? Because just telling someone they're doing something wrong, it doesn't help. It's not good. And uh, am I ruling with fear? Thinking the whole time. I'm always thinking, am I ruling with fear? Am I ruling with, 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 with encouragement? Um, and just being aware of that will always already make you a better coach. Um, I think there's lots of little techniques that people use. So um, if someone's had a, a tough race or a, or a tough game, um, criticizing them in the changing room straight after is probably not not the right sort of environment for, for most players um, or, or athletes after a race. But like after a cycling race, you might rather than analyzing the race afterwards in your normal coaching environment and your normal uh, training center that you use maybe you just go down to a to have dinner or have a coffee or go yeah, to a, exactly. an environment where you're creating a, a lighter environment yeah. where um, it's a bit more relaxed and you're not in your normal training kit and that kind of thing and you can just go have a nice easy chat yeah um, and that's probably where you get more information and letting the athlete do a lot of the talking as well Um, and guiding them um, rather than a a strong sort of dictatorial um, environment there you can often get a a better response from an athlete Um, and on the flip side when 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 everything's sort of going well and and they're happy and things sometimes that's the the time where you can try and take the the step further ahead by sort of ripping in a little bit bit more and giving pushing in a little bit harder Um, we talked um off here um, earlier on about the All Blacks a couple of years ago were, were winning, 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 and I think it was one of these sort of record journeys that they were going on, um, and they had to travel from New Zealand to South Africa, uh, which is quite a long journey. Uh, it's quite a few hours on, on a plane, um, and when you're winning like that, and if you could have an excuse, oh, we had to do all this travel, we played all these games, it was the end of a season or end of a really tough championship, we'd already won the championship. Uh, and this game didn't really affect whether you, you won that or not um, and you, so you had all these excuses and reasons why you wouldn't win and Richie McCaw at 5, five or 5.30 in the morning got all the players up and made them go out and, and for a run yeah. and they made them get up for, for breakfast earlier and he, he totally flipped everything on its head rather than letting them sleep in a little bit more and letting them relax as a, as a senior player and captain he, um, he got the guys up earlier and and said it's all just mental the the travel side of it and um you know we're going to do whatever it takes to to win this game this is just as important and um yeah to be to be ready to play and there because of that aspect there were there were no excuses so getting the right balance depending where your athlete is at creating the right environment whether that means leave your, your training center or yeah. Um, or whatever I think thinking outside the box and Timing. trying to be creative yeah exactly um, for the best environment for that athlete yeah because um, there is that misconception isn't there that um, that the way the methodology we're talking about with coaching now a lot of coaches will be listening saying ah you know it's a load of rubbish you know they just need to get out and smash themselves work hard and, and 
do their due diligence and do the do the miles and everything else like that. And, and the only thing they should misunderstand is they're welcome to see some of our training programs. The guys are working hard. The, you know, we're, we, you know, they're doing the five in the mornings. They're getting up. They're doing their work. It just doesn't need to be under the, under the barrier of fear. It can just be under the barrier of this is I love this. This is my sport, and I'm I'm privileged to be able to do it. They um, have the buy-in to know that this is what's required for them to to do well in their yeah, sport exactly. to achieve their goals. Exactly. Good. Um, so, um, are we playing you guys soon? No, not for a while. No. I think that's why you're talking about the winning run because you uh, don't actually play the All Blacks for a while. Uh, and since you didn't make the uh, quarterfinals of the World Cup, I think you've won nearly every game since. Yep, we have, mate. So, doing well. It's a good year. It's a good year. It's a good year. Um, so, that would be good. We'll have to do another podcast just up to the next uh, England New Zealand game. Could be perfect time, and the next time we play, you will beat your record. We can talk about the coaching philosophies leading into it, yeah, and uh, what reaction they're getting from their team at the time. Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us, Simon. It's good to have you here. Nice Thanks to see you. Me. It's um, great. And um, as always, any questions or anything else we can uh, help with, just uh, write into us. Have a good day. <laughs>